0: You are listening to Pastor Scott Rising of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, Honor the Elders Who Labor in Love for Your Joy, recorded on May twentieth, two 2018. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Scott as he preaches. Hello, everybody. It's a, uh, it's a joy to have you all join us today, whether you are in here in Catanning or Freeport, uh, Petroleum Valley, Indiana campus, the prison, or joining us somewhere online. Uh, it's a joy to have you here with us today. You know, this is an exciting time uh, in the life of Harvest Community Church. We're just coming out of our sermon series uh, that was titled Next, and uh, I found it personally Extremely encouraging as I watch the church work through, uh, in, in Indiana particularly, really taking the challenge to be more generous uh, with everything that God has given them. And I've and I got to tell you, I have so many stories that I'd love to share, which I'm probably not going to be able to do this evening, but i got to tell you, God in His kindness... Uh, Has been working within our church. And so we give him praise, and I am so encouraged as we move forward. So even though the next uh, series is over, the next initiative uh, is very much in our view as we move forward and as we continue uh, by God's grace to increase the health and size of God's church everywhere as a body of believers. And uh, so even though that series is over, we're going to continue in First Timothy. Uh, if you remember last week, Pastor Mike was talking about how we honor uh, the widows among us. And, and Paul's going to continue that trend. Well, he's going to be talking about honoring our elders. Uh, so if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles and we're going to jump right into the text. We'll be in First Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Uh, If you have your Bibles, please follow along as I read. It says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Listen, the statement, you maybe heard it, uh, a fish rots from the head down, right? You ever heard that statement? It's, a, it's an interesting statement, and you might be thinking, what in the world is that? Well, actually, it talks about how leadership is ultimately the root cause of the organization's failure or demise. See, the, the true, um, this is true whether it's a corporation, whether it's a country, uh, whether it's a family, or whether it's a church. The leadership is so vital that if the leadership's not well, it's almost impossible for the whole organism to be well. And so Paul knew that. Paul knew that as the leadership goes, so goes the church. And this is why he puts a high emphasis on letting the elders who rule well, particularly in preaching and teaching, to show them honor. That's why he's instructing the church to honor the elders, the pastors, those who rule well, or you could say lead, Manage or show oversight, direct the church. Then he says, especially those who labor or toil or work hard in preaching and teaching. He's, he's saying essentially, if you have these men among you, then honor them by respecting them. And caring for their financial well-being. Because just like last week, honor in this text, it means money, right? Honor equals money in this text. And you're going to see that greater as we continue to unpack this text. But remember, remember, it's required that all elders be able to teach. We learned this in in 1 Timothy chapter 3 a while back. All elders are to be able to teach. But Paul's drawing a distinction here. Notice that, within the elders, and don't miss the fact that it's elders, it's plural. There's not one man, unless you want to say the man Christ Jesus, who is able to care for the church, but he entrusts men, multiple men, to care for the church, and that's why we see the word elders. But there are those who rule well by exercising pastoral leadership, and those who labor in preaching and teaching, as well as shepherd the flock of God. And it's, it's to be noted that a healthy church is going to honor their elders, right? Especially, Paul is saying, those who labor in preaching and teaching. And you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, well, isn't there more to being an elder than, than preaching and teaching the, the truth of God's word? Well, in short, the answer to that question is absolutely yes. The work of an elder extends far beyond preaching and teaching, and yet this is at the center of all ministry. I would dare to say it's the most important thing that an elder can do is to to lead the flock of God through the preaching and teaching of the Word. Yet not everybody gets the opportunity to preach, but we must be able to teach the Word, which is why men who are called and gifted, will devote their time, their energy, their efforts, ultimately their lives to the teaching and preaching of God's Word, right? The reason there's such a high emphasis on preaching and teaching is ultimately for the health and well-being of the church, right? Don't, don't forget the aim of the charge. Do you remember back in chapter 1, verse 5, where, where Paul says to Timothy, listen, the aim of our charge is love, right? Love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's the target. That's what we're shooting for here. And Paul knows that in order for this to happen, that the Spirit must work through the preaching and teaching of the Word. It has been said, and I quote, God has ordained His Word as the primary instrument for the nourishment and strengthening of His church. And He charges pastors with the task of feeding the church With his word. The word labor here, right? It literally means like exhorting lots and lots of energy. And and some of you may be sitting here thinking, maybe even laughing inside, right? Labor. How hard could it be to stand up there and talk for 30 to 50 minutes? Possibly you work hard with your own hands. Maybe you work very hard and labor physically, and you're thinking, how in the world could that be the same thing? Well, as a man who's done both, I can tell you it is different, yet it's nonetheless labor. It's nonetheless work. Good preachers work hard by studying and preparing and pouring themselves out in glad service and joy and and, in glad submission for God's glory, for the good of the church. And it can be mentally taxing and demands much from those who are called to do this awesome thing, which is preach God's word. The preaching of God's word is, is of the utmost importance, because faith comes from hearing, right? Hearing through the word of Christ, which is why we labor. This is why God calls some to devote their lives to this calling. Listen to Paul's exhortation to Timothy in 2 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 3, verse 16 through chapter 4, verse 2. I'm not to break it down, but, but please follow along as I read. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, this is a familiar text. We're going to pause there. But I want you to notice a couple of things. Even though this text is familiar, don't miss the beauty of it, right? Because we learn a lot of things here. First off, we learn where the Word of God comes from. He says all Scripture is breathed out or inspired by God, right? It's the inerrant Word of God. You want to know what God thinks, what he has to say? Open your Bible and read because this is the Word of God, and it comes from him, right? Even though man wrote it, this is God's Word. And, and he tells us also what it's intended for, because he says that it's profitable, right? It's, it's to your advantage. It's for teaching. It's good. It's for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? Well, he tells us that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So this word, preach, right? And, and you see that. Like, if you remove the chapter break then you'll realize in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Listen, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience. And he's going to need patience. Every pastor who's preaching and teaching needs patience. Because here's the thing. As we preach, we don't see instant gratification. The word of God goes into the heart and the mind. And I'm not saying that God in his kindness could not do a radical transformation of someone's thinking and change their lives. But it doesn't happen that way generally. No, it's, it's through hard labor. It's by being continual in teaching and preaching and laboring and continuing to say the same things over and over. And praying that God would do the impossible by his spirit as the word goes out to bring about the change that every pastor desires to see from the church as they preach. And so, so many times it's very easy to, to give in the temptation, right, to find a new thing. But there is no new thing. There's no new thing. The Word of God preached. That's the thing that brings about health within a church by the power of the Spirit. So we preach, and we preach the Word. Not, not my word, but the Word, right? We, not what I think it says, but what it says. What it says, because the Word of God is living, it's active, it goes in and it brings about the change as the Spirit reveals our sin. It shows us the areas we need to change, and God shows up and gives us grace and brings about this change, and that happens through the Word. So we take out our Bibles and we preach the way of salvation right? The way of salvation, that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone, and that nobody's getting saved apart from Jesus Christ. And we preach. Listen, God's word can and does have the power to save people from the judgment of God at the end of all history. And so we preach the gospel unashamedly, right? We preach Trusting God, trusting His Word. We preach the blood drenched cross of Christ and how He triumphantly rose from the grave and defeating Satan's sin and death, and how there is no other way to God the Father except through His Son. And we say it over and over, and we say it again and again, because there is no other name under heaven given by men which to be saved than Jesus Christ. And so we preach. Because faith does come by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. And I say that again because that's not just at salvation. And it's a mistake that we make often with this text as we think, well, I got my faith and now I move on to these different things. But no, God's people need to hear God. And because God's people need to hear from him, and because God commands preachers to preach his word, preachers, we should humbly tremble at the thought and realize that we have nothing to offer except for the word of God to his people. Nothing. We need him. And our task, our task is by the power of the Holy Spirit to attempt to faithfully again and again say what God has already said so clearly within his word and pray that God would give them the grace to respond to what he says. And this is our task, and this is the call of what we do when we preach the Word in such a way that people will encounter the living God through the living Word. And so Paul has a high emphasis on elders who preach and teach. Elders who faithfully teach and preach God's Word honor God, and those who love God's Word will honor those who. Who preach and teach with integrity. See, those who are called are spiritually gifted to do so. I want to read a quote to you. It has been said, and I quote, they are driven to study Scripture, and and they work fully at preaching and teaching. Nothing else satisfies them like teaching and preaching God's Word. They are skilled at communicating divine truth, and there is a marked effectiveness to their preaching and teaching. They have a wide appeal among people, and the people have confidence that they are knowledgeable in Scripture. Their teaching bears consistent fruit. Although all elders must be able to teach, not all elders are spirit-gifted teachers and shepherds who will labor in the Word. Right, see, Paul is telling Timothy, when you find men like this, then it is not only good and right that they should be paid, but it is downright biblical. That's why he says in verse 18, he says, for scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. And I love this, right? in, In order to support the point that some elders are deserving of double honor, which includes, but is not limited to being paid, Paul drops Moses and Jesus on them. He he quotes scripture and make no mistake about it. Paul wants it to be ultra clear that it is the church's responsibility and hopefully their joy to care for the elders who labor in preaching and teaching. That's what honor looks like. And so Paul makes this known so much so that he says, for scripture says. And then he says, Moses in Deuteronomy and Jesus in Luke 10 and, and this would be unpacked in greater detail in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 7-12. through 12. So let's, let's look at that. Because he says, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things under a human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it was written... In the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. It is, for the, is it for the oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? See, notice Paul's arguing um, from the lesser to the greater in this sense. It, it would be cruel, he's saying, to muzzle an ox while it's working to provide you physical food. And if we can all agree that that would be cruel to muzzle the ox while it's working, then how much greater cruelty would it be to to not care for those who are spiritually feeding your soul? Do you see the argument? Elders who labor in full-time preaching and teaching should receive respect and payment from the church because they're worth infinitely more than some beast of the field. That's the argument. See, Paul didn't demand payment from the Corinth church. But he taught and commanded, the norm would be that the church would make payment to those who labor in preaching and teaching. So much so that in 1 Corinthians 9 14, he would say that the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. It has been said what would be more unkind than to have no care for those who have the the privilege to care for the whole church? And I got to tell you, Harvest Community Church, I stand up here a very thankful man. As I was preparing uh, to preach, how grateful I am to be a part of Harvest Community Church. Because as a church, you all do a wonderful job of honoring elders. I'm thankful for that opportunity that you give in such a way that that your elders are cared for. And I'm thankful for the preaching of God's word and for the teaching of God's word and, and how this church has such a high emphasis on always making sure that we do stick close to the word. And so I give praise to God as I thought about this text, and yet. Actually, let's say period, right? So thank you. But within our culture, this is, I I would say that this exhortation to honor elders by making sure that they're cared for is not welcomed by all. And maybe even some of you may be sitting here thinking that this all seems very self-serving. I mean, pastor, you're up there talking about preaching and teaching and how you need honor, well, well, first of all, I don't need honor. The Bible is saying to honor, right? And, and if that, that's your thinking, well, then that's where you're at. But I would recommend, and, and I've been praying for you all week, that you would not stay there. Because that type of thinking needs transformed. Because it's a fact that you will not honor what you do not truly love or enjoy. You just won't. In our culture, the way that we show honor or what we love or what we enjoy is by the amount of money that we're willing to pay to get the service, let's say it. Right? We don't think about this. When it comes to our physical health, we do not bat an eye at cra- crazy amounts of money for health care. Now, we don't like it. If you're like me, I don't like spending it, but I will spend it. We don't bat an eye when it comes to, generally, spending tons of money to get like organic food, non-GMO, uh, vegan, gluten-free, soy-free, raw food vitamins, and that's all for our physical well-being. And you know, whatever floats your boat, I'm into that too. I eat, well, I'm listen to be real, I'm not totally into that, right? I do take a multivitamin um, and I do try to care for my physical well-being, but I'm not into it like some. But when it comes to your spiritual care, those who are preaching and teaching and looking out for your soul, what a blind spot it would be to not make sure that they are cared for. Because the amount of time, the amount of money, well, and the respect that we give to those who lead and oversee the church will reflect ultimately what you value. If you do give honor, then you value the Word of God, and you value your spiritual care. And and the point is this, is that pastors and elders should not be taken for granted. Or taken advantage of, but rather should be adequately compensated for their labor of love. The other part of this double honor uh, that Paul is driving home, I, I really believe is respect. Double honor doesn't mean we get double pay, but it's it's respect, right? There must be respect for those who are leading and feeding the church. Uh, follow along with me as I read from 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13. It says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Now this, this respect let's be real clear this is not like some Aretha Franklin song, right? Like This is not that kind of respect. That's not what I'm talking about here at all. It's nothing like that. As a matter of fact, that kind of respect from, from an elder or a pastor or shepherd is, is dangerous. That kind of respect that they're expecting you to respect them based on a title is dangerous. Like if I'm rolling up here at Harvest Community Church and I'm expecting you all to like greet me with like, Oh, Reverend Rising, right? Or the most high Reverend Rising. Welcome to Harvest Community. No, 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 no. You can call me Scott. You can call me Scott because here's the deal. My respect doesn't come from the office, right? Although there has to be some of that. There has to be. But the respect that comes from is primarily not from the title of elder or pastor, but from their labor of love. Those who rule well, right? Those who speak the word of God into your life. Those who are looking out for your soul. Those who are caring for you. Those who are there praying for you. Listen, listen. Listen to what the writer in Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God. Consider the outcome of their their way of life and imitate their faith. So, So the writer of Hebrews is saying, like, look at their life. Does the word match the way they live? Are they caring for the church? Are they there when you need them? Not that we're perfect. We are not perfect. We're in the same need of grace that you are. But we labor for the sake of love. And today, now more than ever, we desperately need men who will lead the church by the power of the Holy Spirit and have our lives so radically transformed by the same gospel that we preach that you cannot deny the power of God working in our lives. That's what we need. That's what we need. And so be praying for that. Pray that God would continue to raise up elders within our church. So let's continue in our text in verse 19, because it says, Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. All right, here's the thing. Healthy churches protect their elders' reputation. Paul was all too aware of the opposition that preachers and teachers will face So he includes that honoring will include protecting them from the pain of their critics who seek only to destroy their reputation. Listen, those who preach the word of God will not always be loved. Shocker, right? Shocker. I mean, this this should shock us in one sense, but in another sense, this should not be surprising at all. Right? Because I mean, think about it, Moses, (laughs) If, if you read about Moses in his pastoral life, shepherding God's people, there were times he's like, God, just kill me now. Just kill me. Call me home, Lord. Right? You got Jeremiah, you got David, you got Paul. And yes, Jesus Christ, who was the perfect preacher and teacher, he had haters too. Because here's the deal. I mean, think about it. They even said Jesus was a drunkard, that he was a glutton, that he had a demon. Because here's the thing. Those who faithfully preach and teach God's word will not always be loved. They will not always be loved. Heck, they killed Jesus, right? There should be our sign. And yet, this caution is here in this letter for the protection of the elders for the ultimate good of the church. For the ultimate good of the church. See, when preachers are heralding God's word and going against what the culture deems to be good and loving and right, well, they're going infli- to they're going to get pain. They're going to get pushback. They're going to get people who do not like them. But ultimately, it's not the preacher that they have a problem with. It's the word of God. It's God that they have a problem with. And, and yet, that doesn't stop them because. Maybe the preacher's preaching and, he, and, he's, and he's talking about a particular sin that you're cuddled up to and it hits a pain point in you. And you're like, oh, I just don't like him. He's judging me. It's not the preacher who's judging you. And so once again, Paul puts this in here because he knows that if you're going to faithfully preach and teach, you will get carved up more than a Thanksgiving turkey. Mark it. Guarantee it. You've got to know it's coming, Timothy Because it is, and anyone who's going to follow you must know that if you got into this game because you want people to applaud you and tell you how awesome you are, that'll happen for about a New York minute, and it will go away much quicker than it came. So we do not get into this game, because here's the deal. If you have pastors or elders, that word's synonymous, who are worth honoring, then they will desire to please God and not man. And if that's the case, and if that's true, You guarantee it. They will have haters who desire to tear them down. Well, my encouragement to you is don't be one of them. Do not be one of them. If you are, repent of your sin because it does your soul absolutely no good. See, another time when shepherds often get slandered is when they're engaging, hurting, or sinning sheep. Right. Because they're going deep into the pain and they're touching on things that that sheep does not want to have touched. And when that happens, many times they'll lash out through false accusations because hurting people, they say, are known to hurt people. And that's a fact, including and especially those who are actually trying to help. I mean, I've seen this in my own life. I think back to a time when my daughter was playing at a very young age, and she hurt her neck, and it was bad. We didn't know what was going on, but she, like, like, froze. She wouldn't move. She looked white, and she was screaming. So, like, we're trying to put some ice on. We're trying to figure out whether we should take her to the emergency room. But I call a friend of mine who's a chiropractor, and his name is Sam. And I said, Sam, can you come over and check Sarah's neck? And he's like, yeah, I'll be right over. But when he came over, she's not having any part of that. You are not touching me. And she knew Sam. They were buddies. But not on that day. Wasn't going to happen. But he was there to help her. But she couldn't see that. And so she's like, let's just pray. And so we pray. And I'm telling you, through the the hurt, the pain, the anxiety, she basically passed out. And and when she did, Sam adjusted her neck. (laughs) And she woke up. And she said, praise Jesus, I'm healed. I said, you are. I said, God healed you through the hands of Sam. And so, but many times that's what it looks like when an elder or a shepherd or a pastor is trying to engage you in your hurt. You ever try to take a splinter out of your kid's hand? I mean, you know if that's the case. So it should not surprise us. There's nothing new under the sun. However, in this day and age, I do find it to be, Much easier to cause greater damage because of technology. It's too easy to get upset right away and in the midst of your anger to go out on Facebook land and just blast those who are caring for your soul. You're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting yourself. When people get upset and become angry at their leaders, they wrongly think they have the right to to lash out at their leaders. And it generally shows up in saying whatever they feel, right? Right? Not always do our feelings match what is true. And the the challenge is real, right? Because we all love a juicy story. The world sells rumors and scandals by the dozen, and we eat them up. And Paul knows this, and this is why he tells Timothy, do not admit or, let's say, receive a charge or an accusation against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Here's the deal. Church, we must be different than the world. We must absolutely be different than the world. Uh, We must handle conflict differently, right? For For the sake of the name of Christ and his bride, we must do this different. That means we should not accept accusation and rumors, right? We shouldn't give ear to them. Not only that, but we shouldn't tell them to others when we hear them, when we don't know the facts of everything that is happening, as a matter of fact, we should seek, in a sense, to silence it until we figure out what's happening. Not that we silence sin. And Paul's going to address that when, when we get into the next section of Scripture. But, but if you're not doing that, you're really being an, a tool in, a, in the hand of Satan. Because <laughs> you're tearing down the bride. And it's not okay. Not for the health. These lies and these accusations, they seek to harm people their families, and ultimately the church. Therefore, we must be diligent to protect the reputation of our elders. Love always seeks to think the best of the person, not the worst. And we don't do this perfectly. I don't do this perfectly. We all need to grow in this area. We all need to do this. And so God help us to do that. And yet, That doesn't mean we just put people on a pedestal and throw on some rose-colored glasses and say that everything is awesome when everything is not. That's why he says, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So if the sins are glaring then we do not turn from it because that would not be loving. We make sure that we engage that. But we do make sure that there's actual, like this is a pattern. This isn't a moment where this person had a a, a bad moment. No, we see the sin. Many people see the sin, so we engage. And in that moment, then all accusations must be received and must be investigated. For the love of that elder, for the love of that church, it must happen. Because sin must never be swept under the rug. It always must be exposed. It cannot remain hidden. And so we'll get into this in the next part of our sermon, which is like next week, right? But for now, church, listen, show double honor to the elders who lead and feed well, not just because the Bible says so, right? Yes, because the Bible says so. But that's not the only reason, right? Because it's for the health of the church. It's for the sake of your soul. It's for your ultimate joy in Christ that you do this. And you might be thinking, did you just tell me that to honor elders is for my joy? That's exactly what I said. I, I hope that's clear to you. You're like, well, where do you see that? Well, let's look at some text because I think it's, it's very clear throughout the scriptures. Look at Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Ready? Ready? Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account to God. Like, listen, we have a chief shepherd and we will stand before him and he will give us a grade, in a sense, for how we cared for his church, which he bought with his blood and loves dearly. But it continues. And it says, let them do this with joy, not with groaning. Why? For that would be of no advantage to you. (laughs) Oh, I love this. Oh, how I pray that this church would get that. I know many of you do. I pray that you would get that it is for your ultimate joy that you do these things. See, the elders or pastors that are laboring hard for your advantage or profit. They're keeping watch over your souls. And we will give an account. So church, cooperate with them, right? Let them do this with joy, not with groaning. Why? Because if not, it's of no advantage to you to always be fighting. If you're like always biting, always kicking, always running, it's not going to serve you well. Yes, we'll continue to pursue. Yes, we'll labor, but it's not going to do you well, if you're fighting the hand that's trying to feed you and care for you and, and basically points you to Christ where there's infinite joy. It's for your ultimate joy, your ultimate good, your ultimate benefit that you do this. You should desire that your elders are leading with joy because they're working for your joy. Let me show you that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. It says, Not that we lorded over your faith, Right? So when, when it says those who rule well, he's saying not that we lord it over you, right? We're not with an iron fist. We're not taking you to the trough and shoving your head in the water and say, drink from living waters. No, no, we don't lord it over you. We woo you. We point you to God. We teach, we preach, we pray. And we pray that God by his spirit would show up in a mighty way that he would change your heart. We do not lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. Man, I love this. Are you, are you picking up what's being laid down in that text? Because it's beautiful. God, in his kindness, gives church leaders, his people, for their joy. For their joy in him. We're not your lords like lording it over. You have a lord. His name is Jesus Christ. We're laboring beside you so that you can enjoy him. Right? And We work with you, right? How how do we do that for your infinite joy? This isn't like talking about pampering you, right? We're not talking about pampering you. No, we're coming alongside of you. And we're saying, brother, sister, listen, I'm grieved. You're in sin. It is not going to end well for you. I know you think that this thing's going to bring you joy. It will not bring you joy. Let me point you to the one in whom there is all joy. Will you run to Christ? Will you fling yourself on him? Will you cast yourself upon the grace of Jesus Christ? We're laboring with you, right? We're pointing you to Christ who is the bread of life and who comes. Whoever comes to him shall not hunger, right? Whoever believes in him shall never thirst. This is talking about a spiritual quenching that the world knows nothing about. But the problem is we love to worship creation. Not the creator. We'd rather eat a Twinkie than the bread of life. We'd rather drink from the toilet than drink from the fountain of living waters. And this is why we need shepherds. This is why I need a shepherd. We're prone to wander, we're prone to wander. And so elders are looking out for your soul and they're saying, listen, I know you think that's going to make you happy. That's not going to make you happy ultimately in the long run. How do I know that? Because the word of God says that's a snare. It's a trap. Turn from it. Run to Christ. In him is infinite joy. In him is infinite joy. So we work with you for your joy. For your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. Don't move. Stand firm in your trust. Stand firm. It's coming. It's coming. What? What's coming? Christ, for all of you who are trusting him, he's coming. Either he'll return or you're going to die. Don't sell out eternity for a moment, for a mist, for something that can't satisfy your soul. But hang on. Why? Because he's coming, and you can have eternal life now. You have a now There's no way to God the Father except through Christ. And that's who we're pointing you to for your joy, to stand firm in your faith, to look to the one who in him is pleasures forevermore at his right hand, right? Sweeter than honey. Nothing this world has to offer can satisfy like Christ, like Jesus. Elders are workers for your joy. I hope you believe that. Elders, listen, this means... Your first obligation is to get your heart happy in Jesus Christ. It means that your joy must be full because you can't serve from an empty tank. My first obligation is to get my joy in Christ, to to delight in God, to allow his joy to be my strength so that as I labor beside my brothers and sisters, that I actually can give them something that I myself have been fed by. And so... If not, elders, listen, if you will not be happy in God, you cannot lead and feed well. It's impossible. So, church, pray for your elders. Pray for your elders. Pray that we would be delighting in God, that we would find him to be all sufficient. And, church, let them labor. Let us labor with joy and honor them, because if you don't, it's to no advantage of you. It's to no advantage of you. Nothing makes me happier than to work with those who want the word. They're like, teach me. Man, their life might be a wreck. It really might be. But you know what? They're like, I love Jesus. I want to do it. I know my execution is not great, but oh, I want me some Jesus. And I'm like, man, I, I love that. Nothing's more exciting than working with someone who comes ready to receive. So church, come ready to receive the word of God. Come ready to hear. Come ready to be changed. Pray for those who preach and teach and lead. And love Jesus and love others. Because here's the deal. If we believe what is being taught here, if we believe the word of God, then we will with joy and glad submission give double honor to those who lead well and labor in preaching and in teaching for your joy. Why? Because when we do this, we're actually recognizing God's grace is extended through the elders. And this glorifies God immensely, church. It glorifies him immensely. So, church, thank God for elders. I thank God for our elders. I think of the men that that God has given this church and pray that he would raise up many more who delight in Jesus and who labor in preaching and teaching. To God's glory, may He continue to work mightily through this church as we seek to increase the health and size of God's church everywhere. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.